Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And depending upon when you listen to this, this is going to be me asking a question about the gospel reading from a couple of weeks ago or whenever you're back from the original nation to where you're listening is today. So in the gospel yesterday, Jesus tells the group that he's teaching that he is a person of a humble heart and a person of meekness. And he's he's teaching that in the context of you can only learn the father through the son and the son through me. So I take that given the context of when he's saying this as reflecting upon his divine side of him, that, 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 that God by his nature is humble of heart and meek. And there's two thoughts that I had that come out of this that I want to have in today's episode. The first is, is that has to be a true statement because if God was not humble of heart, we wouldn't exist. Um, if pretty much any other emotion or descriptor, we wouldn't be here. Um, obviously, any of the negative ones, there'd be no reason to deal with an enemy if you're coming from a state of conquest or anger, going back to the example of the Pax Romana before, of any form of dictatorship whatsoever. And it then got me into a second question here. And for these two to kind of guide the episode, I'm pretty sure I don't know what the word meek actually means because in my mind, my upbringing always was meek was basically equal to weak. You, you didn't have any power. You didn't have any authority. And it was in that same line of being like a child. You were totally dependent upon other people. But when we're talking about the context of God, God is anything but weak. He is Almighty, all powerful. We we use these these words throughout the mass. Um, so therefore, I think my starting point of what I think the word meek m e e k is is wrong. So I think that it's probably good to have a, a conversation what that actually means, and also to the, the context that there's no way that this is not a factually true statement um, that that Jesus said in the gospel. So Father, that was a whole lot. I just put at you in a couple of minutes here. And uh, hopefully we can make a coherent episode out of it without me weaving all over the track. Okay, I might I might need a refresher on one or two of those points. So if okay. I miss something, please uh, please bring it up. Um, just to start with the word, uh, well, Jesus does a number of things in that passage. So he first of all says, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for what you have hidden from the wise and the learned, you have revealed to the merest of children." Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. Um, and so he, first of all, acknowledges the way that God reveals himself. And so that's the, the greatest revelation to little ones um, and not to those who are powerful in this world. So the, the whole, uh, that's, well, one point is that uh, God favors the weak, the uh, little ones, the the less capable. And, and I would say that we see this kind of thing when we see sometimes children get what adults fail to get. I, I always remember uh, I was at a first Holy communion. So you have what, eight-year-olds, something like that, nine-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And the priest said, uh, just was engaging them a little bit. And he said, um, now children, you're about to receive your first Holy communion. 
do you know who you're receiving? And they said, Jesus, we're receiving Jesus. Like he goes, is it really Jesus? And they said, yeah, <laughs> you know, and now like if you poll, uh, there was that really ter- terrible poll that said like 40% of those who go to mass don't believe that the Eucharist is Jesus. <laughs> and, and so when we become like more learned, more sophisticated, we, we become more impressed with our own intelligence, then we, we start to become uh, more ignorant in a lot of ways of what actually matters, of divine things. So, so there's, a kinda, there's a great reversal, and it's, we see it throughout Scripture, the way that um, Jesus says to St. Paul, um, and St. Paul says, I would rather boast of my weakness because power is made perfect in weakness. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And we're like, what in the world is that about? So, uh, first of all, we see that reversal, you know, and then Jesus conquers the most powerful of this world by dying. You know, again, this this great reversal. So the paradoxes of Christianity are always a central theme. And so then, when God reveals Himself, Jesus goes on to say, "Come to me, all you who are weary and find life burdensome, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn in Greek is the same word for disciple. So be my disciple. Learn from me. For I am meek and humble of heart. And and you will find rest for yourselves. So uh, now uh, what we don't see, so we don't see Jesus taking up a sword and leading an army. He -hmm. doesn't demonstrate his worldly power, his physical power. Uh, He conquers by dying. He conquers. He wins by surrendering. He he defeats by losing. (laughs) So his his way of of overcoming is just so different from the world's way. That's part of his meekness. Now, another thing with meekness is the the church has understood this. So St. Thomas Aquinas' description of of meekness is that it's a virtue and it's precisely the virtue. Virtues are always the mean between two extremes. And he says, it's the virtue associated with the passion of anger. And, and the two extremes of anger are uh, exercising it rashly. So kind of violence or another extreme of anger is uh, a kind of is cowardice is, is running away is uh, suppressing it in some ways so that I'm kind of lifeless. But meekness is actually the, the mean. And so what does that mean? A person who is meek by that definition is one who has a lot of power, who has anger to harness because anger is a very powerful human energy that we have, a powerful human passion. So that's a person who has a lot of anger to harness, but that he has it fully under control. And so it's, it's withheld uh, and, and under restraint and it could be released. And if you think about powerful figures that you see in, you know, in a movie or something like that, heroic figures, they're people who walk around not scaring little children, but in fact, being a great protection for little children because they're so gentle in the way that they can handle a little child. And they're so ready to punch any aggressor in the face and mm-hmm. they have the power to overcome them. So that's the virtue of meekness that Jesus is talking about. And that's precisely the kind of quality that he has. He has incredible strength to endure the passion and to mount Calvary and to be hung on the cross. And he is so gentle that the little children come to him and seek his blessing and, 
and want to be held by him. So that's uh, that's the way that he's directing us through that teaching. Learn from that. Learn to restrain worldly power so that you can be absolutely gentle with the most gentle, with the tenderest, with the most fragile and vulnerable. And you can be mo- totally strong and resist uh, the, the strongest of the world who might try to overcome those little ones. So from that, I'm hearing two different things that I believe go together. There's also there, there's inherently a calling to become strong, that you are capable of protecting the little ones in whatever facet of life that means to you, um, economically, physically, structurally, wh- whatever that means to, to, to in your world. But I think, unless I'm misunderstanding what you're telling me here is, you just gave an ancient but modern definition of maturity. That that's what it is. It's being able to control what you have, not have outlashes, um, not being one of the, the people on the plane trying to break it and blow everything up um, and, and just because they're not getting the seat that they wanted or whatever, but actually being mature and, and capable. And I think that that um, what explained the way that you just said it, I think, is, is essentially that it's the calling of all of us, right? To, to, to be able to, to make ourselves more capable of protecting each other, but only, but never doing it in a negative way. That's, that's going to hurt the, the, the innocent, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, the vulnerable. And I think that the, there's, there's just so much to that. Um, cause yeah, inherently you're going to be called to, to be in conflict at some point, some point there's going to be a, a, a wrong and evil that comes upon that needs to be dealt with. Um, whether it be, you know, it's not right to let people get high, pass out on the street and then come up with a new drug that literally disfigures them. Um, that's not right. Something should be done about that. Rather than just let them do whatever they want, they'll be fine. Well, they're not. So maybe we should address this in some capacity. Maybe we should, you know, figure out an answer to make it so that there's less of this problem in existence. Now, I just chose that problem as the first one off the top of my head. But it's a it's a calling that I believe is counter to something that I was also taught growing up, which I'm glad that you gave this definition because it makes me feel better um, for some of the decisions I've made is that it doesn't mean that you should avoid conflict. It means you should avoid conflict for the sake of conflict. But when there's something that is correct and right, you are essentially required to confront what is wrong and evil. So Father, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that was, was the main takeaways I got from there. And quite frankly, some of the best building blocks you could have for society, unless I'm misunderstanding your core concept here. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different ways that, uh, but yeah, power under under control, power under, under uh, proper restraint so that it can be exercised. It's neither the suppression of power, uh, which is often where anger goes. We have kind of an ambivalent relationship with anger in Christianity. Sometimes people will call it a sin, that anger is a sin. Anger is not a sin. Anger is the energy God gave us to overcome evil. Um, but then we just have to apply that. We have to discern evil properly. And then we have to apply our anger properly. And 
and that might even be, you know, in some sense, Jesus used his anger in order to, uh, as the energy that helped him to mount the cross, <laughs> mm-hmm. you could say. Uh, he didn't use it to raise up an army and to beat up Pilate. He didn't use it, uh, you know, to get out his, his machine gun and, uh, and destroy the enemy. So uh, he used it. So he had anger. Um, what happens when we suppress anger sometimes is depression. Uh, mm-hmm. That when we, when we suppress the good energy that God gave us and we run from the evil, then we can end up also depressed, that we end up uh, suppressing that part of ourselves. So, um, you know, the, these, uh, yeah, these, these are things, as you said, are building blocks for society, the things that, that all of us need to work on, the virtues in general. And then this just happens to be the virtue around, uh, around anger, which is uh, also going to facilitate healthy conflict, as you said, we don't want to. We don't want to have that energy build up, explode on someone. That's not healthy conflict. But we don't want to suppress it and run away either. We want to actually take on the conflict, and that'll require being able to control that energy to take something on. And that's that does take a lot of maturity. It's certainly not uh, easy for for everyone. Yeah, it, 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 it's. None of the virtues are easy, right? I mean, that's why you have to work on them. Uh, you know, you have to continually get better. You know, prudence, constantly making your mind better. Justice requires that you know know what is discerning. So you have to be able to know what it is. It requires you to get better. Um, you know, the, the, there is no example of love that doesn't require work and effort. And, and as I, I just kind of go through the, the various virtues in my head there, it's it, it, it's important. You know, there is no, I got it, I got to the only conclusion. And I think that that's one of the great blessings, yet horrible challenges that I personally have of trying to walk the line of faith myself, but also teach it. Because it's really easy for me to teach, this is how you draw a football play. It's a very clear objective. You win by getting a first down, then eventually crossing the goal line. That's how you win on offense. But in Christianity and in life, there is no set one outcome aside from doing what's right and living a holy life. But there are so many different ways that that can be accomplished. There's no one, one way that if you don't live exactly this way, you're out. And, and I think that's one of the, like I said, for me, one of the great hards and easies. Sometimes I just wish there was a blueprint. Just do this, do this, do this, and you'll be fine. But that's not how life works. And um, just, to, just to share that there, and I don't want to derail or, or sidetrack the conversation, but that's something that I find myself having a, a challenge trying to, to, to live through this life. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, like I said, it's it's it's. it's I find it even harder to teach it. Um, like like when I when you know, obviously we're in a marriage that is united by God, but there's some of the, the core concepts of how how me and my wife are. I'm very firm in the if it no blood no foul policy. You know, safety sometimes, and you know sh- sh- if he gets even like the little slightest prick, it's like the world ended in terms of safety always. And 
not both of those policies can, like they seem opposite of each other and, and how to teach and, and to know that I'm doing the right thing. I find very challenging. And I think that goes back to your calling there of the virtues call us to push ourselves harder and further than we ever have before. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting with, uh, with children, you know, on the one hand, you want to be responsive to their cries. There's something important about when they feel hurt on the inside, they need to be validated in some way on that in the outside. And so the, uh, the theories that you let them cry it out and things like that are actually pretty destructive, as it turns out. Um, on the other hand, you know, you, you help them work through it and mm -hmm. you don't uh, try to prevent every bad thing from happening, nor do you um, pamper them to such a degree, I, I suppose, that um, that you don't give them a chance to, to hurt. So on the one hand, it hurts and that needs to be acknowledged. Um, on the other hand, you know, that's also part of life. And so we, uh, we, we kind of move through that together. It's interesting. Uh, there's a, there's a psychi psychiatrist, Gabor Mate, who I, um, anyway, he does some things that I don't agree with, but he has some really interesting insights. And he says, trauma doesn't happen because, uh, a child was, uh, was hurt. A tra trauma happens because a tra uh, because a child was hurt alone. Um, mm. And so, you know, being able to bring things into relationship is actually what eases the traumatic value or the traumatic uh, content of, uh, of pain or of, of some hurt. So, yeah, so people are going to have to, you know, I mean, there are things that are challenging that are hard in life that needs to be acknowledged and the hurt is real, but uh, we can't prevent that from happening. Uh, it's going to happen. Yeah, and, and, and you know, ultimately, we look at, at coming back to to what the essence of pretty much all of our episodes are. It's about creating better relationships and implementing this element of meekness as it truly is meant, and as well as being humble enough to realize that we don't have all the answers ourselves, and, and to realize that it's just one of the examples of, of being humble of heart. So. Father, I, I thank you for, for being with us today. We'll, we'll have to conclude today's episode right here, but we'll be with everyone again here next week. And if you haven't already, please click like and subscribe, and uh, we'll be with you here again next week. Burn. All right, Father. Great. I got you.